Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and yes, we're back. Another season is upon us. It may be pre-season, but it's time to start talking Bundesliga all over again. So, joining me as always is, yes, the head of Football Grad, Manu Vetz. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, I've been very good, Bryce. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. Summer, you know, it's it's always nice to have a little break, isn't it? But um, I think then it gets to this stage where we're quite eager to talk football, break. Again, aren't we? What break? There was a break. <laughs> well, for some, there's a break. Maybe not yourself. Um, let's get um, let's get going with uh, Chris Williams as well. Chris is joining Manu and I. Chris, have you had any break? I certainly have, Bryce, because I'm not daft enough to cover the MLS, which is in the off-season of European football. So no wonder Manu's not had a break. But um, yeah, I've had a bit of a break. I've also got another break coming up in two weeks for a week. Uh, thankfully, I won't miss any football, though. But yeah, it's nice to be getting back. Um, the only sad thing that makes me think of, though, is once football starts again, the summer's pretty much over and we're looking at a run-up to Christmas. Yeah, once you get into September, it always kind of feels like it's getting to that, doesn't it, you know? But um, anyway, we'll not complain too much. Once football comes our way again in August, we'll be excited. And to be honest, I'm quite excited uh, for us to be talking uh, Bundesliga once again. And we've, we're going to start with uh, Hertha Berlin today. Um, they've had um, a bit of news with a, a big investment. Um, Manu, what can you tell us about uh, Lars Windhorst? Who's uh, managed to a deal, you know, in a total of two hundred and twenty-five million euros for Hertha Berlin? I mean, with the shares going to him, does it mean that Hertha are going to be competitive in the near future? And that's that's a very good question. So let's break this deal down first, shall we? Uh, Lars Windhorst, he's pe- buying thirty-seven point five percent of the shares um, this season, and um, with. For, for 125 million euros, right? So that money has gone straight to Hertha Berlin right away. Um, he has an option next year to buy another 12.4% of the shares, which would bring up as a total investment of 49.9%. Uh, you know, people will say, well, that's, that makes sense, 50 plus one. Um, An actual fact, he could um, buy more of the shares of the Hertha um, KGA, which is the, the company that runs the soccer business, as long as Hertha's membership club hold 50 plus 1 um, percent of the voting shares, right? So voting shares are different than uh, economic shares in this sense. And that's that's how the 51 plus 1 rule is protected in German football. 50 plus 1 voting share needs to stay with the membership club. In this case, Hertha didn't want to sell more than the 49.9 percent um, of the shares for various reasons, also just to like have economic control in both senses. But it's a big, it's a big deal. 225 million euros over two years, straight investment. This has nothing to do with the potential stadium deal. There's a stadium deal that Hertha also still working on. That deal could cost around 250 million euros. So there was a lot of people saying, okay, well, maybe that money is going to be used to build the stadium. No, this is actually money that will be used for the squad only. The infrastructure deals are separate. So that's a significant amount of money. 
Um, the questions, of course, that a lot of people had, who's Lars Vintors? Lars Vintors is someone who, at the age of 18, was a self-made millionaire during the internet bubble years. Um, he did face bankruptcy in the early 2000s, uh, has since recovered. He buys all sorts of, his investment company has bought all sorts of other companies. There has been some suggestions that um, the only reason this investment company is successful because they keep on adding value rather than increasing the value of the individual companies. Um, and it's something that he has heavily denied um, in interviews with Spiegel, but also Financial Times. And there's a piece that I did for uh, for Forbes as well on this. Um, the, so he says he's financially sound. Hertha, of course, said, well, this is a great deal, but we want the money up front. They got the money up front, so the money is already on their bank account. The question, of course, that a lot of people also have, how much of an impact will that money have on the transfer market, right? Um, 125, 125 million euros this summer sounds like a lot, but, you know, Chris, the, the transfer windows have changed so much. 125 million euros doesn't even get you a full Anton Griezmann anymore these days. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, but Hertha Berlin are, are quite good at, at getting themselves some good deals. I think... Everybody will be really pleased in the club that Marco Gruich has um, stayed for another year um, on a loan deal from Liverpool. I think he, his impact was phenomenal last season in the Bundesliga when he was fit and he was out for a little bit with injury. But um, he was real key into that midfield. And, and Hertha are one of those sides that can do their business very well. I don't think they need to go out and spend 80, 90, 100 million pounds on a player because... To be honest, I don't think a player of that value would be tempted to go to Hertha Berlin at the moment. But they can certainly start spending in the region of 25 to 35 million euros per player if they wanted, um, if they need to. And and I think it's a real good investment because we've all been to Berlin and it's crying out for a successful side. Um, I know Union have just made it into the Bundesliga and that's going to be a tremendous story throughout this coming season. But they really need um, a, a team that can compete in Europe um, but also as the right ground because we've all been to Olympiastadion and lots of our listeners will have seen games at the Olympiastadion and even Hertha Berlin games and even though they do get 45 maybe even 50,000 people turn up to their games it still looks empty because it seats 90,000 so if they can get themselves a 40 45,000 stadium um, then I think that will be a real good plus for them and especially if it's on site in the Olympiastadion area um, because that's a fantastically well-catered-for area as well. But this input of money going into Hertha Berlin, I think, is exactly what the team need. And hopefully, I hope for them, it will enable them to start getting themselves the right type of quality to come in, which gets them into the Europa League, because I think they could be quite a good Europa League side if they were playing in it year in, year out. Yeah, I, I think, just like Eintracht Frankfurt, Berlin are a sleeping giant. And Lars Windhorst said that in, in an interview with Spiegel that uh, Berlin needs a capital club, just like London have, like Madrid have, um, Rome, of course, all those cities, all those other capitals around Europe that have big clubs. And Berlin is really kind of like an empty spot on the, on the map, in a sense, in Europe, that it has now two clubs, you know, as the capital of Germany, of the largest city in Germany, it can handle easily two clubs in the first division. It could probably also handle three, to be quite frank. It's, it is a huge city, but for some reason, because Berlin is such an entertainment city, there seems to be always something else going on. And football is just not the number one sport there. I mean, we look at the, the hockey teams, the, the handball team and the basketball teams, all of those seem to be in some way more popular. And um, it's it, it cries out for a big market team that it is currently lacking. Manu, just like Chris said, you know, it, it would be a great asset, I think, for the Bundesliga and for uh, Europe to have Hertha Berlin, um, you know, playing European football again. Do, do you think, with a bit of investment, you know, before the transfer window was to shut, uh, do you think they could aim for a Europa League spot, or do you, do you think that's going to be a, a step too far for them this year? I mean. Or, or do you believe with a bit of investment they could even go a step further than that? That's that's a very tricky question. I mean, they lost Valentino Lazaro to Inter Milan. Although I did write in my piece that maybe Lazaro will actually be better off in in Milan and Anton Conte's system than he is uh, than he was in Paul Dardai's system. Um, going to be interesting to see how Ante Kovac, a new head coach, is going to play. I mean, that's still to be determined. Um, keeping Gruich. 
big piece of business and maybe in a year's time we don't know what liverpool are going to do right they have now they have the money to make that deal permanent if that chance comes right liverpool say okay we're going to sell them for 25 to 35 million euros they could they can now pay that money um thanks to that investment and Gruwich is such has been such an important player for them um, last season and maybe one of the best midfielders in the Bundesliga or emerging to become one of the best midfielders in the Bundesliga and being able to hang on to key assets is sometimes even more important than adding new key assets right so I think them keeping Gruwich big news um, and then being able to maybe keep some other key assets especially the young players they have one of the best youth academies in the Bundesliga to keep hanging on to them I think is going to be quite important for them down the stretch as well. So some of this money might not actually be spending on new players, but actually spending on the current players in the squad and keeping the squad together, which is sometimes very hard to do if you're one of those teams trying to hit that, when you hit that glass ceiling, oftentimes, and this happens even to bigger sides elsewhere in Europe. You look at Ajax Amsterdam, for example, who've been completely taken apart just for making the Champions League semifinal, right? So sometimes hanging on to what you have is actually more important than adding players to the squad. Yes, very, very true that. Uh, Chris, how much are you looking forward to this season? Uh, Union Berlin and Hertha Berlin um, meeting up at long last. I mean, that that's going to be something special, isn't it? It is. It's, it's going to be a tremendous occasion for the whole city. Um, I think the Olympic Stadion may get maybe a few more than it's normally used to. Don't know if we'll see a sellout of 90,000, but um, for Union's side, I think every game is going to be packed. Um, at the stadium in the forest for every single one. And I know for a fact I'm going to try and get over to as many as I can um, this season because Berlin's so easy to get to from where I am in the UK. And it's got such a good UK following that I think it makes perfect sense for us to cover them on the Football Grad Network, especially over on Fußballstadt, because obviously we're German football in an English language. And I think um, Union Berlin have, have tapped into that very, very well. Um, but Hertha Berlin, I've got a strong following as well from quite a lot of places outside of, of Germany. I've been over on a few occasions and I've seen Dutch people there, Italian people there. Because, as Manu said, it's such a big city and such a multicultural city, is that it attracts everybody. The football attracts everybody. Um, although it might not be the number one sport they look to, it's certainly a really good Saturday or Sunday afternoon day out. And I think both clubs need to tap into that. But, yeah, I mean, good luck to anyone um, who hasn't seen Union Berlin and doesn't have the credits available and, and to get to their games because they are going to be sold out. And, and those who are listening in Europe, if you can get over there, please do, because it's a wonderful experience. Absolutely. It's a quite a unique ground, isn't it? And that's going to be a, a hell of an occasion. That will be Bundesliga match day 10, so the weekend of the 2nd of November. If you're not part of either club, good luck trying to get a ticket for that one. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about more investment. Uh, Manu, uh, a bit of exciting uh, news. The second ever club to uh, float on the stock exchange um, in Germany is Unterhecking. I mean, what what exactly has, has gone on here? I mean, not the club that maybe you would have expected to uh, go onto the uh, stock exchange uh, of all the, the clubs that come to mind. No, not at all. Um, you, you're quite right. This is this is even me being Munich based um, half half the time um, was somewhat somewhat surprised by this news. And I, I did cover this, of course, because Forbes is where I cover all the economic stuff that happens in the Bundesliga or in German football in general. Um, this is something that I did cover for De Owen Forbes. And it's it's really interesting how they did this because they um, managed to get a bunch of investors on board to float 8 million euros of, of um, their own capital, which you need. You need to have own capital um, to actually go onto the stock exchange. You have to have positive capital. You can't go with negative capital on the stock exchange. There's certain rules and regulations that apply to that. And Unterhaching have taken that step um, to to get money on board to increase their financial uh to improve their financial situation and make that step back to bundesliga two. remember unterhaching where munich is the only german city that actually had three bundesliga teams at one point because unterhaching were in the bundesliga as well as 1860 in bayern for a couple of years in the in the 90s and unterhaching um chris saw them uh, last year playing against uh, 1860 in the third division they are the 
the suburb team um, of Munich, and um, they have they have some pretty big ambitions, and they want to use that money to go back, get back into Bundesliga two, and become a well-established Bundesliga two side. So it's going to be really interesting to see how how this is going to play out for them. How this, how much the stocks are going to be valuable, valuable, and um, how this is going to compare with, of course, the Borussia Dortmund were the only other team that have ever floated on the stock exchange and. Um, initially has saw a huge drop in their value um, when they were first were floated and it, it only the stock it really only went back to their current value and above um, in the last few years or so under the investment that was taken by Hans-Joachim Watzke and the re-establishment re of the club as one of you know Europe's 10 top top 10 clubs so going to be really interesting to follow I know it's a small third division kind of story but at the same time it is something that we don't see very often in German football Manu, do, do you think you'll buy a share or two? Uh, I will not. <laughs> Chris, Chris knows. Chris knows exactly why. You know, they they are a rival of 1860. He's been to the derby, the the small Munich derby. So um, yeah, I, I'm not going to buy uh, a stock of Unterhaching. Well, okay. Well, good luck to anyone that does. We'll have to see how that one plays out and whether they end up uh, rising through the leagues and becoming a rather rich force in German football. Time will tell. But the other side that uh, floats on the stock market is Borussia Dortmund, as Manu said. And that's where we're going to go next and talk about their transfers this summer. They've been rather active, haven't they, Chris? Um, a rather uh, an attacking force in the transfer window, if anything. Yeah, a bit disappointed, Bryce. They didn't ask me if I wanted to buy any shares in Unterhatch. You know, I went to see him last season. They play in red. I might have fallen in love and had a massive affinity and bought 49% of the club. Well, well you can now. Uh, no, I can't. I, I literally <laughs> cannot afford to buy 49% of a third division club. Uh, if I could, I probably would be tempted to it. But no, you're quite right. Borussia Dortmund have had, um, can we say, a successful transfer window? Um, probably one of the best I've seen in a long while, not only have they tied up um, a permanent deal for Paco Alcacer, which technically comes onto the board this season, um, they also went out and signed three brand new players in Julian Brandt, Nico Solchin, and Thorgan Hazard. Okay, we all thought Hazard would come, so that was no surprise, but he's a fantastic player, 26-year-old winger. Um, I don't think they'll miss Christian Pulisic. I wrote an article about this last January when the Pulisic deal um, was was coming through, and that's on fushballstadt.com. And I identified then that Thorgan Hazard would be a wonderful replacement because they're getting a player in his prime. And, yeah, to get um, to get him for, well, £34 million is, is a great deal. And then they got Nico Schultz, who's obviously the German left-back from Hoffenheim. That was a surprise for me. Didn't see that one coming. Um, and they were three, what you'd say, were wonderful signings. And then... All of a sudden, out of absolutely nowhere, Mats Hummels returns, age 30, centre-back. Um, probably one of the biggest surprises of not just this transfer window, but the, the past few. OK, we'd all seen him play at Bayern. Um, he'd had his problems, um, but you certainly sure saw his effectiveness um, against Liverpool at Anfield. I thought he was brilliant. Um, and funnily enough, he seemed to come back to his best once he was dropped from the Germany side, from the national side, I don't know if that was a, hey, look at me, look what you've done here, you made a massive mistake, but it seemed to take on more of a presence. And if we look back to the um, Classica from last season, where I think pretty much he ran that show, scored an early goal, and then bullied all um, the, defend, uh, the Dortmund attackers. Um, and for him to go back to Dortmund at 30, which... I know we go on about players' ages. For a centre-back, I think 30 is still a really good age. He's not going to be asked to be mobile. He's not going to be asked to be getting up and down the wings like a wing-back. He's not going to be asked to put a massive shift in in midfield. So I think you can effectively play as a decent centre-back until you're 33, 34. So Dortmund could have four good more years out of him where he's learnt a lot by being at Bayern. He's a winner. Um, he always had that winning mentality anyway. Don't forget he was a winner with Dortmund under Klopp. Um, but he's gone on and he's played in a very successful Bayern side. And um, I also wrote about this uh, move in um, footballstat.com as well, so check that out. But this, for me, last season Dortmund were making really strange errors at the back because they're youthful. And I think you parachute Mats Hummels in there and all of a sudden 
There's a really big player with a big presence who knows the club inside and out, but more importantly, knows how to defend at the highest level. So you drop that experience into the very back where it's needed and you also bring in the likes of Brandt, the likes of Schultz, the likes of Hazard. I think Dortmund have got a fantastic side. Um, and I would say, and this is an early shout, I know, because we're in pre-season, I would say on paper, and we all know give football isn't played on paper, but on paper, I think that Dortmund have a stronger side than Bayern at the minute. Manu, if, if we go to you, I mean, obviously positive words from Chris, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, how, how big a loss is it going to be for Bayern? Uh, Mats Hummels uh, leaving, but also you know, how big a gain is it for Dortmund? Can can he, you know, along with everyone else, bring the title to Dortmund? Yeah, um, this this is this is something that I've looked at um, for Fußballstadt.com as well. You know, I like to do those articles. How can a certain player fit into the system? This is not transfer speculations. I like to take a name and see. Okay, how what how what will a player actually bring? to a team. So before the deal was made official, I really looked at Mats Hummel's numbers and what they could add to, to Borussia Dortmund's defense. And and you look at all those numbers and you're getting a, a key piece. You know, you're getting someone who is extremely good at playing that opening ball from the back. Someone who wins the majority of his uh, tackles, etc. And I know with defenders, you don't actually want to look at tackling numbers because when they get into a tackle, things have already been too late right um, and that he's just stabilizes a defensive line and I remember actually when I did the articles on uh, Lucas Hernandez and Benjamin Pavard going to Bayern and here I was like writing this article and I expected okay like look they bring in Lucas Hernandez 23 and Benjamin Pavard 22 I believe and they're going to massively upgrade the defensive line and I actually compared it to what Bayern already had in Jerome Boateng and Mats Hummels two players who were heavily criticized and the numbers that I found did not add up and again yes I mean football is not played on paper numbers can be deceiving etc but I actually feel that although Bayern have Niklas Süle who is probably the best German defender at the moment I don't actually feel that with Lucas Hernandez and Benjamin Pavard, the two players coming in, Bayern are actually upgrading of what they already had in Jerome Boateng and Mats Hummels. And when you look at the numbers across the board from Mats Hummels and Jerome Boateng, you will not find many defenders in Europe, even to the present day, who will have much better numbers than the two. Uh, in fact, maybe a handful at most. So for Bayern to say, okay, well, we want to go youth, that's fair enough. They're looking at this probably medium-term, long-term. Um, they said, okay, we can afford to let Matsumos go, but I personally think that they may have made a mistake. And we'll talk about Bayern's transfer policy in a moment. That, in turn, for me, means that Borussia Dortmund have done a very good piece of business because they, as Chris rightfully said, they identified an area that was very weak. They shipped 44 goals last season, right, which was 12 more than Bayern conceded. That was, that's, the, that's the equivalent of them not winning the title, right? Um, three or four goals less would have been enough already for them to win the title, let alone 12. And I think that is that is something that they just saw. It's like there's nothing wrong for our attack, even though they actually added to that very magnificent attack as well by signing Julian Brandt and Torgen Hazard. There's nothing really that much wrong with our midfield. Where we were lacking was in defense. And although they have magnificent defenders in Diallo, Sagadu, Akanji, they're all very young, they still make mistakes, and they're all injury-prone as well. And I think um, that depth is what hurt them. This is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast. With Best Christmas Ever on AMC+, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern iconic family classics like The Polar Express and The Year Without a Santa Claus, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men. New series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. And you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus. Only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Quite a bit. And also what now with an extra defender added to the mix. Um, and this is something that we chatted about at the end of last season. Sometimes Lucien Favre didn't have the tactical flexibility that he needed from the squad. Now he has extra players in every position, including an extra center back, which means he could go three in the back, right? With Nico Schultz, he could play with wing backs. It's just this transfer for me is probably the transfer that Dortmund needed to make to be competitive for the title. I just think it's a wonderful one as well because even if um, Matt Mulls has gone there um, with the knowledge that, look, you're going to be here, but you're not going to be first choice, which I think might be, might not be. It's what he can offer all those younger defenders, the advice in the in the dressing room when they're getting ready. Let's say they've had a particularly poor first half. He can say, look, you need to get tied to here or have you seen the way he turns? Look at the way he gets the ball first. He'll be able to do almost a little bit of defensive coaching with the plays he's playing with. And then we all know what he's like on the field. If he's given that chance on the field, he is pretty much a captain. He's been a captain before. Um, he can just stand there and he can be the captain of the back um, and and that is going to really help whoever the captain of the side is going forward. Who, if they've got a real big leader at the back, a, a man with a captain's presence, whether he's on the pitch or not, I think it brings maybe an extra 10 or 15% of, of game time and play for the others because they'll learn quickly. Not only will they learn off him in training, they'll learn off him on the bus when they're talking, they'll learn off him off the team hotel when they're chatting, and they'll learn off him in the dressing room at half-time or at full-time going into extra time if they're in a cup competition. I just think that bringing in someone... I mean, if he was 34 or 35, I might say... But he has got, potentially, four seasons, maybe even five seasons left in him. Yeah, and when you look at the games that they lost last year, like that that first leg in Tottenham, which was where that that tie went away on them, right? Um, I reckon with someone like Mats Hummels, that game would have looked very different. And then you look at some of the key games, like that three three against Hoffenheim, where yeah, most they, definitely where they and lost the, the title, yeah, and right? the one against Hertha Berlin earlier yeah. on in the season where they were up and Kalou scores two to make it two two. As soon as that game. You know, even when Dortmund went two one up in that game, there was a feeling of there's really not anyone at the back who can shore this up, and Hummels does that for me. Yeah, absolutely, and that that is that is a title difference. I mean, remember the title was decided by one point last year. That's it, and we already identified three Bundesliga games where where they could have collected that point. Um, so I mean, it, it's it is really all those other transfers make the side really good, but this transfer. Right now, when you compare the two squads, Bayern and Dortmund, and I think we haven't said that in a while, I think Dortmund have the better team. It also leaves no room um, for Lucien Favre to make any errors for me now because last season it was a team in transition. This season, I mean, look at who they've bought, look at what they spent. Okay, in the big scheme of things, they haven't spent anything because of the money they've recruited um, through sailing policies to Chelsea. But disregard that money spent, um, it's a lot. And I think Mr. Zork and Mr. Vatska will want more than a tail off when it's needed at the very end of the season. But they've never been this aggressive when it comes to saying that they want to win the title. They've actually gone out and said, we want to win the title. Last year, they were like, okay, well, uh, dibbly doubling around and saying, okay, well, we know this is a rebuild year, blah, blah, blah. We don't know how this is going to go. And... They weren't really ever saying that they're going to win the title until halfway through the season, right? Where they were like, okay, well, now we are on top. We want to be there. But this year, season ended. They said, we want to win the title. And then they put their words to action and went out and signed four magnificent players for next to nothing in the current market. And basically said, with these four players added to this side that came within one point of winning the title, we have to win the title next year. It's an aggress- really aggressive statement that they made. And, I mean, you're quite right. It puts a lot of pressure on Lucien Fabre. 
But I mean, he knew this when he took the job that there was one re- rebuild year and then the side will have to deliver. Well, we talked um, earlier, didn't we, about Hertha Berlin and the money that they would have available to, to potentially sign players. And that actually, you know, 120, 130 million euros doesn't really go that far these days. But I must say with Borussia Dortmund, you know, when they've spent basically 130 million euros, you know, Chris, it, it really, they've got the most out of that money that they possibly could, haven't they, in signing Hummels, Hazard, you know, Slutz, uh, Brandt and Alcazar. I mean, it, that's some good recruitment at good prices. It is good recruitment, but there will be many Bayern fans who are going mad listening to this now because they will say, look, people criticise Bayern for asking players to run their contracts down. What have Dortmund done similar? If you look at Thug and Hazard... I think he could have gone to pretty much any of the top six sides in Europe if he wanted to, but he was very keen on going to Dortmund and was said, no, I want to go to Borussia Dortmund. And that automatically, no one else is interested because if I'm, I don't know, if if, if I'm um, Maurizio Pochettino at Tottenham, do I want to go after a player that's just said to me he's not interested in anyone but Borussia Dortmund? No. So that drags his price down straight away. Um, Julian Brandt was a surprise for me um, because I think he could have picked anywhere he wanted to go. He was such a good player. Um, but to get him for the money they did, that is a wonderful piece of business. Um, obviously, Alcacer was tied up early um, with, with how good he was last season early on. The um, the ability to, to, to take the agreement after the loan as permanent signing was, was implemented quite early on. So that was never going to be one that was a shock. Um, and Nico Schultz is another great signing and, you know, gives a lot of money over to a side that will probably reinvest it well. Um, but I think they were a little naughty um, in the way they went around getting Thorgan Hazard. Um, but look, they've got their player at the end of the day. Player wanted it, club wanted it. Um, it was always a no-nonsense move for me. It's Sometimes as, a, as transfers, you get a square peg in a round hole and it needs some coaching to make that square peg eventually fit. I just think he hits the ground running this season. I will be surprised if he's not an instant hit on the yellow wall. In fact, I, I will go, I'm going to put my hat on the table now and say I will be shocked if he hasn't got a minimum of six assists by the time we go into the winter break. Ooh. You know, Chris, um, I, I, first of all, I That's agree. That's all competitions, by the way. <laughs> I, think yeah, he, I, think he, I think he will have more than that. But um, you point out something really interesting, and this is something that we're going to have to discuss when it comes to Germany's other big club. Dortmund were able to get these players for one big reason. Um, these players were willing to say, I only want to go to Dortmund. And it's not the yellow wall, as fascinating as the yellow wall is. And it's not necessarily the money either. It's Lucien Favre. He has a really, really good reputation as a coach to make players better. And I think you see that nowadays, that players, they're all individuals, right? They're all looking at themselves. How can a move improve me individually? How can my transfer value, my contract value get improved? And oftentimes, it's the coaches at a club. And yes, we have criticized Lucien Favre last season for not winning the title. I, again, I think that he was limited by the squad that he had. There wasn't flexibility in the squad. But he has a really good reputation with the players. Marco Royce, when he found out that Lucien Favre is going to be the head coach, renewed his contract. Torgen Hazard has worked with Lucien Favre in the past. And players talk to each other and they're like, this is a coach that you want to play for. And I think that helps you on the transfer market. Um, you know, and I think that is something that maybe the other big club in Germany is struggling with at the moment because you look at some of the transfer targets that they were after and in the past players ran their contracts down happily to move to Bayern to play for Heinkes, Hitzfeld or Pep Guardiola and you don't really quite see that right now and I think that's that's that speaks well for Lucien Favre at Dortmund and Dortmund right now and maybe it's also something that Bayern have to look at a little bit. Yeah, it's funny that I was discussing that just this morning with a a friend of mine about coaches that are going to improve players. And you know what? Whether it's the the English Premier League that you speak about or the Bundesliga, there's not that many uh, coaches round like that. And they they really are goal dust, aren't they? Uh, But yeah, let's talk about Bayern um, a little bit. Um, So obviously we've seen Mats Hummels leave uh, the club. uh, But they've brought in two centre-backs 
um, of their own, uh, Chris, uh, in Hernandez and Pavar. How do you see these two uh, getting on? I mean, obviously, big transfer uh, fees paid, you know, for, for both of them. You know, we're, we're talking about close to 100 million euros. Um, are they just going to slot in there? Are they, are they going to be an instant success? That's the um, 64,000 euro question, I think we'll call it. Are they going to be an instant success? Um, unfortunately, at a side like Bayern, you don't really get um, the ability to do your development in in really the biggest light. It's This is like going to um, Real Madrid. It's like going to Barcelona. It's like going to um, Manchester United or Liverpool or Chelsea. It's... That teams demand a certain level immediately, and if a player has to get up to that level, unfortunately, sometimes they're written off by certain parts of the fan base. Now, I know there'll be Bayern fans who'll say, "Look, we need to give these players time," but there'll also be there'll also be players um, who won't get that. I do think both of the, the centre backs they brought in are um, exceptionally good players. I think Pavard had a poor season last season but I do honestly think it's because he was with a very very poor Stuttgart team you can't um, deny that he's a World Cup winner <laughs> for a start so he's he's not gonna you know just be a, 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 they've not signed a defender from a side that's been relegated they have if you look at it at face value but if you look at the actual numbers beneath that I think he's a really good signing and again I think Hernandez is another good signing um they will need to hit the ground running pretty quickly because of the demands that Bayern have. Look at what we saw last season. Um, Bayern didn't start particularly well, and there was all sorts, is the coach going to get sacked? Who's going to be next? Are they going to have to go out and panic buy in the winter transfer window? Which, you know, I think um, this might have been a little bit of a, not a panic buy as such, but Bayern knew they needed to sign a centre-back because at the time Hummels and Boateng weren't doing particularly well and are they it's it's a hard question to answer Bryce because Bayern now are looking to build for the future so if these guys take six or eight months to settle and then they eventually go on to be the best centre-back pair in the Bundesliga scene in the last 10 years I think Bayern fans will take that over anything but if they take six or eight months to settle and they don't really quite hit it off um, then it then it will be a problem it's they, for me, they've highlighted an area they needed to, which was the centre-back, and they brought two centre-backs in. Outside of that, though, you're looking at a side who've got a lot of money and haven't really brought anybody else in, and let's look at who they've lost. They've lost Mats Hummels. Okay, they brought in two centre-backs. Um, but they've brought in um, Jan Arp from um, Hamburg. Okay, he's a, he's a good player, but he's 19. Is he ready for, um, is he ready for the hustle and bustle of being... Uh, playing in the Allianz week in, week out. They've lost Ribéry, they've lost Robin, they've lost James Rodriguez. Okay, the, I do think they've got a good squad. But at the moment, I just think that unless they bring in a backup to um, Lewandowski, maybe a backup to Muller, I just think they're running a little bit light. They are one or two injuries short of finishing third or fourth. If you look at the teams around them who have, have strengthened. 18 squad players right now. Heel players, not a lot um, for three. It's not, and we talk. We've we've seen how Leipzig have struggled. Even Leipzig, and I won't say little Leipzig because that'll be offensive to them. But we've seen how Leipzig have struggled, and they've got good coaches. They've got good setups. They've probably got one of the best medical setups in Europe because of of where it's located and because of the Red Bull football empire. And, and they've they've stuttered in Europe. They stuttered in the Champions League. They certainly had to prioritize the Europa League over the other competitions they were in last season. This is the sort of thing that Bayern can't do. Niko Kovac doesn't have the ability to go, well, we've only got a small squad here. I think what we'll do is we'll just look at the Pokal and the Bundesliga will forgo the Champions League. He won't be allowed to do that and normally be allowed to forgo the Pokal or the Bundesliga because the minimum expectation, and, and Manu, we all know this is the minimum expectation, was reached last season, Bayern to win the Bundesliga and the Pokal. That's the minimum Kovac will get. And I don't know if he's got the players to do it again at the moment. No, I, I don't think he does. Um, I think that Aldo Ribery and Robin didn't play every game anymore. I think the presence in the dressing room is enormous. And, you know, they are possibly two of the best players that ever played for this club. 
and losing them i mean yes they ha they had everyone has to retire at some point and robin has just retired and what a magnificent career that was but everyone has to retire at some point so this was going to happen and i think that with davies uh Coman and gnabry they have three really exciting young wingers that can step into that but they do need more depth and they need to bring in players that they can maybe give them also a bit more tactical flexibility and a lot has been made about them going after Leroy Sané now Usman Dembele is on the list as well right as a backup for if they can't size Sané because Sané doesn't know what he wants yet and this is this is literally the latest he doesn't not know yet what he wants he wants to make a lot of money but he doesn't know whether that's going to be a Bayern or Man City but I'm almost this whole transfer pursuit of this winger has come to almost uh, a detriment to other positions where they really need to strengthen. For me, the one player that they had to sign this transfer window was Rodrigo, which just went to Manchester City. Um, some of you might know him as Rotary from Atletico Madrid. Um, I took a look at his numbers and his central midfielder numbers. He is he is that player that can string it all together for them. You know, someone like Javi Alonso just better someone like Harvey Martinez only more attacking minded he would have given them that option to if they needed to drop Harvey Martinez into a center back position I know that's not always the position he likes to play but it would have given them that option to get give him that presence um Rodrigo they were willing to pay that money but he went of course to Man City because there he can play with Pep Guardiola right and I think that is something that I just just crossed my mind a few times players are now going elsewhere because of the opportunities that they see and the people they get to work with and also because they're looking at the spy inside and like they're in transition do we want to wait two or three years and they until they can be competitive in the champions league again or are we going to a club that can win the champions league next year and i think they're seeing some of that because also they're also seeing Kovac as a transition coach right and they're all kind of waiting how is he going to handle next year and that's that's a difficult place to be you can have all the money in the world to spend but if the players don't want to come that's that's going to hurt you and I think they're also targeting maybe the wrong players yes yes they need another winger an attacking player um, I think they should just go and pay the money for Timo Werner to be honest because it would solve two problems for them right there but are they focusing on the wrong on the wrong fields and I think they do I think they should have gone put all in for Rodrigo and signed that midfielder because they lost someone like Hamas and Martinez is not the force that they had in the past and Thiago is injury prone so this pursuit to sign a 120 million euro winger is is somewhat misleading in my opinion Manu are you surprised that Niko Kovac is still there I mean we, we talked uh, plenty on the podcast you know, towards the end of the season, whether he'll keep his job or whether he wouldn't, uh, regardless of what he managed to achieve, whether it was that title or not. Are, are, are you surprised that he hasn't been shipped out? I, I, first of all, I think actually Niko Kovac is a good coach. I think his reputation in Europe might not be the best, but I actually do think he does good work. The problem, of course, for Bayern is that they kind of were sawing on his stool while he was trying to lead them to titles and he did that successfully that of course then <laughs> that doesn't give a lot of confidence to players that want to sign for a club is the head coach still going to be there what happens if Bayern lose three or four games in the fall are they going to fire him right away because he was close to getting fired already right I think that is the real issue um, am I surprised that Kovac is still there not after he won the cup and the fashion he won the cup in because they they were really good in that final and Maybe there were some voices inside the club. You know, I talked to Oli Hoeneß at the the promotion relegation game for the the second side, the Bayern two, um, when they when they defeated Wolfsburg two at the Grünwalder Stadion. He was he's quite quiet. And he said it was an invention of the media and this like they always believed in Kovac and all that. You know, you hear that kind of stuff. But I mean, remember when we were sitting here on this podcast and saying like he could win both trophies and not be there, and that was not us just making stuff up. This was something that a lot of people in the football world had the feeling about and players that do not have a first-hand knowledge so so a player who plays for Atletico Madrid or Manchester City who's been targeted by Bayern his information will be exactly the same than ours right so they will be looking at this and say okay well who's going to be my coach what's the situation like and I think that is the real problem here Bryce 
Chris, what, what about you? What's your feelings on Nico Kovac just before we move on to a, a little bit more Bayern transfer talk? I think that Nico Kovac is an excellent coach and he's proved his worth um, when he took Frankfurt from the very depths of the league all the way up to um, back-to-back Pokal finals where he then beat um, Bayern and then went and managed Bayern and he's won the double. So I think if we're going to just look at his coaching ability, I think it's there. But I think Bayern Munich are a massive name and if you're looking to equate to a similar sort of situation... I think they're looking like a little bit like Manchester United at the moment, although they're a lot more successful. But players don't read big players don't really want to go to Manchester United at the moment because okay, they're a big name, but they've got a coach who was an excellent player from the substitute bench occasionally, but he's not really proved himself in the bigger circles. Um, is he going to be there at the at Christmas? Is he going to be there next season? If I'm going to sign a four-year contract, who's going to be the coach after two years? What happens if he doesn't settle very well? Because Bayern have gone through quite a few coaches recently. So there's always the, that problem that they've got now. And if you look at I mean, look at what Manu said about Borussia Dortmund, they've got a coach who players want to play for. And you can look at that um, around... There's, there's teams around Europe who can hoover that up at the moment. Players will quite happily go to Real Madrid because they are one of the biggest names in world football. And Zinazin Zidane's a coach, a coach that's won the Champions League on numerous occasions as a player and a manager. So they know what they're getting. Manchester City, they're going to get to play with um, Pep Guardiola. Liverpool, they're going to get to play with Jurgen Klopp. Um, I think that Bayern are, are, are struggling through exactly what Manu said, is that players might go, OK, Bayern Munich are great. You know, they've won the Champions League. European Cup five times, they've won 29 titles, 19 Pokals. They're a very, very good side. But right at this moment, for me, in my transition as a player, if I'm 23 or 24, do I want to go to Bayern Munich on a four-year contract? Probably not, because where am I going to be playing in my prime? Who's going to be my coach? Or am I going to be dropping out of Europe in the group stages? Because if Bayern have a poor Champions League campaign, I think Kovac is out the door. Um, but he might have learned plenty from last season. But if we look at the big complaints, they are from the senior players in the big games, and that doesn't that doesn't bode well for me. If I'm a decent player looking to make a big move, I would rather go to Dortmund or Real Madrid or Barcelona or Liverpool or Manchester City than I would do go to Bayern at the moment. Well, that's why Hummels left, right, Chris? He left because of the coaching staff. He was like, that's that's the bottom line. He went. Yeah, from... and he's not been happy for a long time. He's, he was really outspoken throughout the season. Um, about Niko Kovac and he's gone back to a club and who he'd take all that experience now and, and Bayern need to be able to start bringing players in but they need to be careful that they don't just put in a bum on a seat for crazy money um, with crazy wage structures and I know they're very good at not doing that but if they get into that panic mode all of a sudden they're throwing large amounts of money around because people know they've got large amounts of money and they're tying players down on four- and five-year contracts for extortionate amount of money, and then they're having to ship them out two, three, four seasons later, which wouldn't be the, a very buying at all about them. They want to get players like Ribbon and Robbery in who can stay there for years and produce the goods, and I don't know if they're able to attract them at the moment, which, if I'm a Bayern Munich fan, would be a little bit of a concern because, OK, if they win the league again next season, they've won it eight times on the run, they've won the 30th title, but don't tell me they're going to be happy with that because they want to be in a Champions League final. They want to be winning Champions Leagues as well as their own domestic title. Because at the end of the day, if you want to be seen as one of the really big clubs in Europe, you need to be winning on the international scene. Well, absolutely. Then I, I suppose the next question is, um, well, we'll go to Manu for this. Um, who exactly are Bayern going to bring in with the time that they've got remaining? Yeah, you, you said that Rodri would have been probably your first choice if you were selecting um, who they were to sign. But you know they keep being linked with the likes of uh, Man City, Sané, Barca, Dembele, who obviously has experience in the Bundesliga and was quite the player a few years ago for Dortmund. But also Lils Pepe. I mean, who exactly are those three might sign for Bayern at this stage? Yeah, I think that uh, Pepe... Mm. I, they don't seem to be convinced about him, which I find odd because I think he brings everything on the table that they need and is probably of the the three names, the most affordable one. Sané is the one that they do want. Uh, they feel he got away um, because two years ago they could have signed him. 
uh, or three years ago now, and they didn't because they were convinced that Ribery and Robin wouldn't allow him enough playing time. I think, you know, you look at the national team, the way Sané plays with Gnabry there, they, they, those two are the, the future of German football in the attack, right? Um, they, they're miles ahead even of Timo Werner, who I still think is a magnificent player. So it makes sense that they're going after Sané because they have the one stellar German player, the one potential German superstar already in Gnabry. And now they want to have the other one. And because if the two of them, they could even play the, one, the two of them together and attack and it's 3-5-2 and uh, put Lewandowski on the bench from time to time, something that he actually wants. He, need, he needs more breaks. He's getting older. So that's the one that they want. Dembele has been emerging as the plan B, uh, which is, of course, funny because they criticized Dembele quite heavily for his transfer addicts uh, antics and when he left Borussia Dortmund and they kind of tried to gloss over that a little bit in the last few weeks. Um, I think that Dembele is an excellent player. I, I think he's very flashy, um, but I don't think he is that direct attacking player that Bayern necessarily need. And 125 million euros, um, a package, and this is the package, okay? This includes salary and everything. And Sané is the same price, by the way. The entire package deal for Dembele would be 250 million euros. That's a lot of money over five years even. So I, I, do do they want to take that risk and pay that much money for a player that they have heavily criticized in the past? So, you know, those those are the, the prime candidates. There's a bunch of other wingers that have been discussed. Uh, they have been plan Bs discussed. Are they going to sign a wing back instead? Um, go with two wing backs next season and play 3-5-2 and forgo this entire signing uh, an attacking winger at all and like maybe bringing in a central midfielder that they should something that they should have focused on in the first place. So I think this is going to drag on. Um, Bayern have traditionally been a little bit later to the transfer window game. And so maybe they're going to wait to see what happens with the whole Griezmann situation in Barcelona, see how the cards fall there, because that could trigger something that will change the transfer window completely. And we've seen something like that in the past. It's only July 7th, right? It only opened six days ago. And in Germany, the transfer window is open till September the 2nd. So they still have time. But it's definitely entertaining to watch in a lot of ways because we just don't know what they're going to do. And Chris, just before we leave Bayern alone, any wild predictions on your behalf that you can see going through? No, not wild. Um, I, I can see them looking at who they're looking at at the moment. I, I don't know if Griezmann would be the type of player that they need. I know he's a good player, but if you look at the way he's conducted himself, is is that someone who they want around their um, squad? Because you know he did that crazy video the other year, the decision, and twelve months after that, he's making another decision. It's he's a strange one for me. Um, Dembele, I think, would bring some real good attacking potential but we've also seen how his head has been turned what's to say that the same thing doesn't happen again he has a great season with Bayern and all of a sudden um, Real Madrid are knocking on the door and he's thinking oh I could do with that is he on the next flight over to um, Madrid instead of flying to Barcelona this time I think Sane makes the the perfect sense for them I think he would be an excellent fit but as Manu's already said does Leroy Sane want to stop working with Pep Guardiola and go to a coach who, no disrespect to Niko Kovac, because I do think he's a great coach, but he's not the same coach as, Nico, as Pep Guardiola, and he certainly won't um, develop Leroy Sané the same as Guardiola would. So if you're Leroy Sané, would you want to swap Manchester City and, and the way they're going at the moment, looking at maybe a bit of an English league domination and trying to crack that European trophy and stay with Pep Guardiola, or, or do you want to go to a team run by Niko Kovac in transition. I know what my answer would be, Bryce. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I th- think that more or less does it for talking about transfers for the uh, top two. So let's move further down. Um, so finishing in third place this year, we've seen RB Leipzig. They're going to have a new coach in Julian Nagelsmann, but uh, they haven't been the busiest, have they, Manu, in the transfer market? We've seen... Uh, well, uh, unexpectedly, we've seen a signing from RB Salzburg. I mean, you know, you wouldn't have predicted that one in Hans Wolf. You know, attacking a midfielder only at the age of 20, 10 million euros. You know, it's it's not exactly, um, you know, a big money move, but um, it could fit quite well into the Nagelsmann way of uh, attacking football. Yeah, unfortunately, he's also out for several months. With, um, I don't know if 
those who followed the U21 European Championships, really nasty injury, a broken ankle, um, joint, where the joint meets, and uh, that's going to take him out for three or four months. So we're not going to see Hannes Wolf for quite some time. Magnificent player, by the way. So when he's fit, he'll, he'll be an excellent addition. Um, I think what's holding Leipzig back a little bit is the whole Timo Werner situation. They kind of they need to they, they're trying to find out what Bayern actually want um, or what Timo Werner wants, and I think once that's resolved, they're going to be quite busy. Um, I know and I've heard that they've looked at Luca Waldschmidt from Freiburg, who had an excellent European Championship. Right, he won that scoring title. He scored seven goals in five games. Um, there's an article up on him and his European Championship on Fußballstadt.com. So I think we'll see Leipzig getting really busy in the next three or four weeks. Once Nagelsmann has had that squad and like trained with them a little bit and identifies what they want, they have the money to spend and I think they will spend it. Well, I suppose, you know, we'll have to see if that is the case. But um, I, I would go to Chris at this point to speak about the next club. But Manny, I, I think we're going to have to go to you and uh, talk about your Bayer Leverkusen sides. Um, after failing to win the league last year, um, have they made any signings that's going to make that possible this year? Obviously, they've lost uh, Julian Brandt. Yeah, I, I, I think everyone in the Bundesliga was kind of hoping that they would get Martin Odegaard on loan for two years from Real Madrid. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. But it did bring in Kerem Demibay, uh, Musa Diaby and Dali Singraf. Musa Diaby from PSG and Dali Singraf from Ajax. Um, I think those are three magnificent signings. Um, at the same time, I don't think, you know, they haven't, without Julian Brandt, they're not going to be as strong as they were last year. So uh, don't, don't be afraid. I, I'm not going to bet them as the Bundesliga title winner this year. <laughs> no, well, a bit of a shame because you know it was fun, kind of going back to that every week. I'm sure you were getting fed up with it, but anyway, um, uh, Chris, then we'll talk about uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. I mean, they started so well last year, but they kind of faded away, didn't they? Uh, what can we possibly hope from them this season? Uh, I mean, there's still more preseason to go. Sure, there's still more signings to be made. Um, but obviously, Thornton Hazard has left, and he he was one of their more deadly uh, players, wasn't he? Going forwards, um, do do you see them doing a bit more business before the window is shut? Well, they've brought in a couple of players of of notable worth. Um, obviously, Briel Mbolo, who we all know from Schalke, I think will be a good fit. And um, Marco Rose has come over with um, Stefan um, Lehner as well. So, I, I think. Are they going to be pushing for the title like they were early on last season? Um, I don't think they will be, but they could be there or thereabouts for a European place. Um, It's just, for me, a little bit like Bayer Leverkusen. They've lost a really big player um, in Thorgan Hazard. A lot of assists. Um, Is that Are they going to be able to fill that gap? If they can fill that gap with someone, then I think they'll be all right. Otherwise, I think they may be fighting for fifth or sixth, which... Is it going to be such a bad thing for um, Marco Rose on his on his first season? Probably not. He'll he'll do a lot of learning. He's a great coach anyway. We saw that last season. So it's it's an all right transfer window for them at the moment. But yeah, in the same way that Manu said he can't see Bayer Leverkusen doing as as well as they could have done. I think with Hazard such a big player, with him going, I think it's going to be a real struggle for him because they haven't replaced him in my mind yet, and you can't let someone that of that quality go and not try and replace them. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be a massive loss, isn't it, for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, Manu, then, then I suppose we go to Wolfsburg, who last year, to be honest, um, surprised me and probably surprised uh, several others with you how well their campaign actually went. Uh, we've mentioned in the past um, just about how big um, a contracts they like to hand out, how much money they like to, well, if I put it kindly, kind of waste um, uh, <laughs> uh, if I'm being kind uh, but you know they've spent um, 25 uh, million euros so far or thereabouts uh, do you see them you know pushing on this season and maybe you know t- trying to go a, a step further you know in, in the table maybe even aim for a top four I think with Glasner they have one signed one of the same with oh, by the way Marco Rose from both both coaches coming from Austria right uh, Glasner uh, from Las Glinsk um, and Rose from Salzburg, as Chris said. And I think those two coaches are going to be fascinating to watch next year because they've done some wonderful work in Austria. 
And uh, I think that Wolfsburg have actually been doing some of the best business uh, in the Bundesliga quietly. They brought in um, Joao Victor, Victor from Lusk, who worked with Glasner, of course, is a very interesting um, Brazilian winger, left winger. Then brought in Mbappu from uh, Young Boys Bern, who was a really good player under Hardy Hütter at uh, Ip and has won the title twice. And then Harvard Schlager, who many people expected would actually go to Leipzig because, you know, that RB Salzburg connection um, signing for Wolfsburg is really going to allow them to play that high-pressing attacking play. And their signings just haven't been splashy like they were in the past under under other coaches, but they have been very efficient and very directed and exactly filled the kind of areas that they needed to fill. And on top of that, I think they're not quite done yet. So this is this is a club that I'm really fascinated to watch uh, in this upcoming season. I know Chris really wants to go back because he finally wants to watch uh, see that Shiroko that's in the Autostadt. So um, a club that we're going to pay a bit more attention to, I figure. Yeah, exciting times for Wolfsburg, it would appear, if, if the uh, signings do come off as well as Manu is suggesting. Um, we'll just uh, cover one more side because we're, we're a little bit short on time, but no doubt we'll cover um, the other sides in time. And we're going to talk about Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, Chris, uh, obviously there was plenty of talk um, towards the end of the season about Luke Jovic and about him coming in after that uh, loan period uh, for for a rather low cost of just, um, was it 7 million euros? You were ridiculous. But then yeah, he had a rather swift exit, didn't he? Uh, leaving for over 50 million euros. Um, but w- what else have Eintracht done? Is there, is there anything else that um, they've been able to uh, attract after you know, managing to make so much money, so much profit on that deal? Of any sort of real quality, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, they've they've tied up a, a couple of other deals, but who they've brought in? Okay, they've brought in um, Eric Derm. Who look, I do think he's a good left back, but he's come from Huddersfield, who didn't play the best football at times. Um, he's probably suited for um, being back in Germany. I just, unfortunately, I just can't see them being the same. Being the same force they were without um, Luka Jovic being there. I think it was key that if Jovic left, they had to keep the others. And so far, they've pretty much done that. So um, that is a plus for them. But I don't know. I've got a feel. I've got an Ajax feel about them at the moment, which is they were a wonderful side last season. But they've just lost one star player. Are they going to lose maybe one more before the end of the transfer window? And if so, who are they going to be replaced by? And how does that affect them from going forward? Um, I know we said it would have been... I thought it would have been better had they not reached the Champions League. Now, retrospectively, would they have been able to keep arguably their best player if they'd made the Champions League? Potentially, yes. But, you know, something that we're not going to know now... Um, it's going to be a, a tight season, I think, behind the front two for all the sides. And whilst I think that the top two, Bayern are always going to be there or thereabouts. Dortmund have strengthened unbelievably. I think it's going to be a, a straight scrap between them two. And then it could be any one of six or seven after that, because I don't particularly think Leipzig are that strong at the moment, even with Nagelsmann coming in. And Manu's mentioned... Okay, perhaps they're going to wait and see what Timo Werner does before they make their move in the transfer market. But as we're looking at who's going to finish third, fourth, fifth and sixth, I think we're going to be open, have a really open season again, which I'm hoping we can see some surprises as well. Perhaps are Schalke going to be back to their best under David Wagner? Can they get back into the um, Champions League slots? Are um, by Leverkusen going to be as good as they were last season. There's a lot of potential. I think Eintracht Frankfurt fall into that um, pot of teams at the moment who are going to be fighting for anywhere between third and eighth. Yeah, maybe just to add, I think if any team can compensate or any sporting director in the Bundesliga can compensate for someone like Jovic leaving, it's Freddy Bobic. I mean, he is uh, Yeah, so and they've good. identified... I mean, look at all the talent they've identified over the years. They've brought them in. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them bring in 
someone who everyone's gone, oh, not, don't really know much about them because they've been on the radar and the peripheries of that club. And all of a sudden they hit the ground running at Eintracht Frankfurt and they're smashing the goals in and playing the sort of football that everybody was dribbling over at times last season. So if they can do that, yes. It's just at this particular moment. And as you quite rightly said, Manu, we are only six days officially into the yeah. transfer window. It's, not, it's, it's looking like they're having a slow transfer window. And I think that maybe we have to forget about the business that Borussia Dortmund have done so early and just take it as now the window's open. I think that's actually a really good point. Maybe the final point uh, to wrap it up. Um, we have to remember that only because Borussia Dortmund basically done the Band-Aid and just ripped it right off in May and done their business before anyone even got started. Does actually? We have to remember this. There is another two months of this going on. So um, it's not even started yet. Well, that's it. There's still going to be plenty to report in the next coming weeks, months in fact eh? uh, but that'll do it for today I think we've uh, covered um, a lot of ground a lot of topics and so uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up so um, Manu what have you got going on in the football grad world is there anything you'd like to draw people's attention to yeah it's always I mean we, we cover all the major transfers we have some fantastic player profiles that have gone up and uh, the key transfers we keep an eye on for for the Bundesliga, but then um, on top of that, I mean, I do my MLS work. There's there's always new MLS articles over at Pro Soccer USA, and then I do the business end on the Bundesliga for Forbes. Uh, but on top of that, both Chris and I got picked up by the International Champions Cup. So very fortunate that we got to cover kind of you know from from a lot of a football crowd angle uh, kind of thing that we get to cover the, some of the players. And clubs, including Bayern Munich, involved in the International Champions Cup this summer, which is always a fascinating tournament taking place over here in the United States, but also in Europe, where Chris is going to do most of his work. Ah, nice one, guys. Um, well, I was going to move on and ask Chris uh, what he's got coming up. I take it that is it. And then uh, probably sending us uh, different holiday snaps in the coming weeks. Uh, pretty much it, yeah. So, yeah, I've got some stuff coming up on um, well, the International Champions Cup website. It's already out. Um, but now we're into July, that'll start to pick up a bit more because it's a fantastic tournament. The games will start to kick off. And then um, as August comes, um, I'll be doing the, the games that are centred in the UK. So the Tottenham Inter game um, and there's Manchester United game also over at Cardiff, which I'm looking forward to going to as well. Very exciting. And Chris, make sure you get that base tan before you go away on holidays. Um, but that more or less does it for today. If you want any more uh, football in your life, you can head over to at Football Grad Live on Twitter. The guys will have plenty of reports and news and everything else you could possibly want uh, coming up in the coming weeks. And we will return um, before you probably know it, um, to do another update on the transfers happening in the Bundesliga. But uh, that more or less does it. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at BryceDunn11. And until then, I'll feed us in. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.